Joe, what does a stripper do with her asshole after sex? What? Drops him off at band practice. <laughs> hey. Wait, no. Okay, now it's time for our opening joke. <laughs> Traditionally, we start with an opening joke. Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> hey, this is Jacques. This is Joe. And welcome to Carnival Personnel. Uh, right off the start, nothing happened in the sports last week. Moving on. Uh, actually, uh, where it is Black History Month, uh, Joe, because he's lesser racist than I am, which isn't saying much. <laughs> I think most people are less than racist than I am. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, in honor of Black History Month of our favorite pioneering um, black comedians. You got? Oh, um, I'm going to go with Chris Rock, uh, only because he was the first black person I ever saw. No, <laughs> uh, no uh, just growing up, his comedy hit at the right time for my generation. Uh, he sort of rebirthed how being a rock star and being a comic can be combined. You know, Richard Pryor had that, Eddie Murphy had that, yes. But then it sort of died, and he was the new rock star comedian of the time. Um, every line was quotable. It was, uh, it was well, um, well done. Uh, he was very well spoken, considering he's a black comedian. <laughs> I'm not editing any of this up because I don't care anymore. He, no, it, 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 but he, I think he inspired a new generation of black comics and even other like minority comics and even white comics. Just that persona, that that bigger than life attitude that sort of fell to the wayside with like the Seinfelds and the observational humor right. of the '80s. You know, gone was the brick wall in the background. You know. Gone was the Gallagher's of the time. Good. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I think he, he, he was, he, yeah, he was not suited well. Oh, no, he, he did very, oh, he did okay on Saturday Night Live. I mean, I did like his, but he was just underutilized. Um, but as far as stand-up comedy goes, he's the, probably the smartest stand-up comic that hasn't uh, pulled his dick out in front of women uh, on stage today. <laughs> that uh, No, and it's funny that you said that, the rock star thing. Because of the age difference between you and I, Eddie Murphy was in my time frame. But you're right, because of your age, when you were like in early high school, that's when Chris Rock is doing the Boston Garden type thing, like absolutely stadium stuff. And still, like, you know, a couple of his albums, you know, some 20 years later, aren't even dated and are still quoted and you, you hear them, you know, quite a bit. Right. And the, I mean, one of the funniest things, bringing it back to the white community, the funniest bits on The Office is when uh, S- Steve Carell's character, um, Michael Scott, I guess, tries to quote lines <laughs> from Bring the Pain. Uh, doesn't go over well. <laughs> that worked out for him. Not so good. Oh, that's great. My my uh, favorite, you know, pioneering comedian that I'll talk about this week is Flip Wilson. Um, and and because I watched way too much TV as a kid, I just actually remember him being a regular on not obviously not laughing and stuff like that, uh, and not even his show, but he was big after that. But with his own show, I mean, it, you know, he was. At one point, his variety shows, and that's our favorite, I think, area of TV with all the variety shows that they had. And he was like, like a, almost like a Dave Chappelle without the pre-tape skits. You know, right. he came out, he did his bits in front of a live audience. He actually had like a catwalk that he came down, right? Right. Yep. And he had you know people seated around. He would come out in his famous Geraldine character. Geraldine was Flip Wilson like that. If it was not for Geraldine, Flip Wilson it would be a footnote. And, and honestly, and, and I mean this when you talk about pioneering, does Tyler Perry have a career without Flip Wilson? Right. I mean, I mean, he really was groundbreaking. Right. You know what that's and that and that that character alone probably that he did on on things like conservative things. Well, not conservative things. Uh, it wasn't that television was conservative. It just was the way it is and censors and stuff. He did that stuff on like you know the Ed Sullivan show, and and then he could could push the envelope on the laugh-ins and stuff. But in 72, uh, TV Guide said he was the first, TV's first black superstar. 
Like they had other, you know, Bill Cosby was on um, I Spy, uh, on I Spy, and there there was others, but he his show was number two, you know, and, and in that time frame, I mean, that was an absolute huge thing. Right, Pryor wouldn't have come up and and have his variety show until years later, a couple of years later. Right, um, but his, Pryor was just an, another level, like altogether. But Flip Wilson was like the happy medium of edgy, but kind of safe, and uh, he had a character that. You could just quote, and he could. He, it wasn't beaten to death. Like you just welcomed seeing that character over and over. Like, and that character would like interact. Like Geraldine would interact with, you know, the celebrities of the day. You know, I forget. I'm not as uh, would, would interview. You know, interview people, and it was a fantastic like character. But again, completely pioneering. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, I mean. He didn't scare white America that much, you know. No, and, and, and he seriously, square, he didn't scare northern white America. Northern America. I mean, we're talking forty-five plus years ago and yeah. stuff like that. And so, but at the same time, he did push things forward. I mean, you don't have, you know, uh, you know. I think a lot of other things that came after him, you know, prior being one of them, or like the Sanford Sun and stuff like that. Right. Without, uh, if, if if his show wasn't wildly successful, I mean, people people now don't well. Like the Netflix and other places will take risk, but back then, very risk averted. Yeah. So if you were going to have a black guy star in something, it better it, it can't be good. It's like the same thing like the Jackie Robinson. He couldn't come up in the major leagues and be a good major league player. Right. He couldn't bat two fifty. Yeah. Right. He, he had to. If excel. he wasn't a superstar of superstars and make every. But he say, well, there's no way this guy can't play in this league. You know, he had the same thing with Flip Wilson. He had to have killer ratings and stuff, but it did. It just broke the glass ceiling of what, you know, he wasn't a character actor or Bill Cosby, a sidekick, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, and I think Flips uh, since left us, right? Oh, yeah. He, he didn't, wasn't here for the long haul. He only lived to, like... I think early like, 2000s, right? Uh, no, no, no. He was born in like the early 30s and died like 65. So no, you're wrong. I, I will say he died in Flip, 19... Flip Wilson appeared on the Howard Stern show in the 90s. I remember the interview. Then, let's see. He actually... 80, yeah, 80... Sorry. Just looking real quick. When did he do the dirt nap? Oh, you're right. 97. Okay, yeah, late, late right, 90s. Right. Yeah. yeah, but still 65 years old. So he didn't live that long. Right. But, um, how was he on the Stern show in his late sixties? He was funny, 60s? and he actually had a major revelation. He he revealed that he too, like Howard Stern would always proclaim, had a small penis, and to prove it, he whipped it out. That's and show, awesome. yeah. And it's just like, oh my god, it's like a button. <laughs> <laughs> He's not kidding, folks. Remember the good old days when comedians could just whip their penis out? Right. Well, in their in Flip's defense, they asked. <laughs> Uh, okay. And he gave. Well, well, there he was, you a have. he was a giver. So, uh, so yeah. So enough of the comedy. Let's get to really bad, awful, tragic news. Joe, the tragic news with with Jack. <laughs> I love a parade. You know who else loves a parade? Who loves a parade? Dictators. They do. They mm-hmm. do. When you when you see the newsreel films of like you know Stalin, right. and 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 then Hitler, right. and you then you moving on, right? Uh, yeah, I think Lenny Re- uh, Lenny Reifenstahl had the first you know uh, the the first documentary of how a parade should be. All parades were modeled after that, and. Um, and now was it Lenny Reifenstahl? Uh, finally, uh, Leonardo. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But now it looks like we're going to get our own parade. And by we, I mean the toddler in the White House who wanted a huge military parade as part of his inauguration, and the uh, the Pentagon said uh, no. It's a lot of planning, and you can't do it. Um, also, the city of D.C. said no because. When you have tanks rolling down a, a road that's meant for, let's say, um, not tanks, <laughs> it chews the shit out of them. And the last time there was a military parade in, in like, you know, I think it was like the late 80s. Oh, was it the 80s? It wow. was the late 80s. Uh, it, it, it did. It completely, for the next, like, several months, D.C. had to complete. Completely redo the roads. Have you ever driven in DC? I ha- just recently I drove in DC. How, try to make a turn. <laughs> uh, you know, well, yeah, it's, it's, do that with a tank. And, and that's it's just the absolute. I mean, no matter how you look at that, and in in I'll, I'll take it from this angle. You can take it from another angle if you want, Joe. 
at the bare bottoms, they're saying it's going to cost $17 million. Now, we just approved, we just approved a budget that raises the deficit $1.5 trillion. But in, at the same time, you're hearing the GOP cut things like Meals on Wheels. Uh-huh. You can't feed the shut-in elderly. Right. Uh, you hear about all the things that we can't afford and fiscal conservative, all this stuff. But we have – we want a ego-stroking – let me whip my penis out mm-hmm. and, and, and make up for being a button by having a dictator's military parade. He puts the dick in dictator, I'll tell you that. And honestly, the military is saying, no, we have better things to do with our time and our resources. And, and nobody, nobody wants this, but of course nobody's telling the toddler no. That's not true. Mike Pence wants it too. Mike Pence does want it. So yeah. So you know, and I guess he wanted for his inauguration. But then when he went to Saudi Arabia, there was a military parade. When he was in France, there was a a a military parade. But that was a a, a different kind of thing. But it was like a their bicentennial or some big plant out thing. Not a parade, just to have a parade. And it's funny because just coincidentally. Uh, we got home the other day, and just to have something on in the background, one of the 50 movies I watch over and over, it was Batman vs. Superman. And it's really funny. It came to the scene, and I, and I paused it, and I had Ellen and the boys you know, uh, you know, there, and I said, okay, this came out two years ago. Listen to this. And Lex, ex- Lex is explaining to a senator that his father grew up in East Germany. Lex happened upon a big piece of kryptonite. That he wanted, he had a small piece of kryptonite. He was explaining, he has a big piece of kryptonite. He wants to import in the United States, and the senator is like, you know, why do we need this? It's like we don't for 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 uh, national security. It's like no, for planet security. And they're like, well, Superman's the only person flying up. Anyway, so it's a whole backstory. And Lex starts explaining. It's like, you know, you forge a silver bullet, hoping you never need it, but it's nice to have the silver bullet. And he starts to explain. My father grew up in East Germany, and every two weeks had to go to a parade and wave flowers at a reviewing stand, you know, passing by dictators. If we have this, this will keep our children from having to wave at a reviewing stand and a forced military parade. Uh, so what you're saying is that we have to find, like, a vegetable? Because that's Trump's kryptonite? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but no, it's just ridiculous that it's like, oh, the absurdity of, like, you know, these... My dad had to grow up in the Soviet bloc thing where they have these military parades for show and, and pomp and stuff like that. Speaking of pomp, we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah. the, 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 the every two-year... Uh, display of pomp and and opulence that uh, I wholeheartedly oppose on principle. And yeah, I'm a big whiny, uh, a libtard prick. So much so that um, I wish that the Olympics were maybe once every, you know, 10 years, 20 years, and maybe held in one place all the time, away from, you know, I, I, I'm getting on a tangent No, no, here. no, but, but we had talked about this recently. It's like, when you host an Olympics, what it does to the cities. It's like the money that goes into it. Nobody makes money on the Olympics. But, yeah, the whole grand spectacle. Um, yeah, I mean, it w- by the way, modern Olympics modeled after something. It was an Olympics the back in, like, the 36. Yeah, the modern Olympics. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Didn't a bunch of black people do really well at those Olympics? No, or one in particular black guy did really, really well at the Olympics. Yes, yes, tying it in with Black History Month. And, right. and, and he had the hero's welcome from the host country, as I remember correctly. <laughs> um, Anyways, that's a tangent. My what? next impression, Jesse Owens. Uh, but, but let's talk about the Olympics for a second. You've already mentioned our good pal. Um, let's put money, uh, let's take money from AIDS research and put it into gay therapy. Mike Pence, he's getting a real hero's welcome. He's getting the same hero's welcome in Seoul that Jesse Owens got in Germany. Hey, uh, Pyongyang, by the way. Pyongyang, not Seoul. Oh, sorry. Yeah. See, I'm just racing. Uh, well, you know, if there's one thing you know about thing. me, one thing you know about me, don't like the Koreans. <laughs> Two, Two, three, three four. four. Anyways, but it's true. He shows up late for like a state dinner and... They didn't hold the space for him, and there's all these great awkward photos of him going down, like, you know, around the table saying hi and shaking hands to people as they're, like, eating. They didn't reserve a space for him because he showed up late, and I think he thought, I'm American. I can show up and get the hero's welcome. A bunch of athletes have really publicly come out and said, 
yeah, I'm not meeting with this guy. Um, a couple, you know, one of the figure skaters, I'm blanking on his name, said flat out, it's like, this is a guy who did, in his budget as governor of Indiana, took money out of AIDS treatments and research and put it into gay, or wanted to put in gay therapy. His budget didn't pass. But yeah, he's over there. Uh, he's also over there trying to kick dirt in the face of Kim Jong-un at the same time. Uh, Kim Jong-un's sister, it's the first time since 1953, you know, a high-ranking government official from North Korea has visited South Korea and invited the new, you know, prime minister of of South Korea to come to North Korea for a visit. I it's mean, a trap. <laughs> it could be a trap, but I mean, it, it seems like, you know... If there's one good thing so far about this, it's like that they came into the stadium, the two Koreas under United Flag, um, that the Olympic, you know, governing body has waived certain, um, like, like if you want to be in the Olympics, you had to qualify back in March of last year and put your paperwork in and stuff like that. So they, uh, they have a combined hockey team. You know, which is good. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, I, I mean, but, uh, the, uh, the, the only interesting thing about the opening ceremony is in the summer ceremonies two years ago, there was the athlete from that I sent you the information on uh, 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 from Tongle. Oh, right. Yeah. You, you know, and he won the opening ceremonies two years ago. He is a walking statue, and he was, like, all greased up and just this, like, god amongst men walking in a stadium. I forget what sport he was in the Summer Olympics. You know, he, he wasn't even going to come close to finishing in the top – you know, he was two spaces. I think he was just Ivan Drago cosplay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I will break you. Uh, yeah, no, he was two spaces behind the second to last guy. You know, and this one, he he qualified for cross country skiing, uh, qualifying in events done um, on pavement on uh, on cross country skis with like basically rollerblade cross country skis. Yeah. But he comes into the sub sub you know freezing temperatures of the stadium opening ceremony, and his like you know bikini briefs all greased up again. The mankini. I'll, uh, I'll say what we are both thinking. Hot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Who's the other when you said both? Who? You said we're both thinking. Oh, oh who's uh, the other? You. Oh, and me. Okay. I'm <laughs> or maybe it's just me twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Know. Um, Go on. But yeah, so so but hey, let, let's look at something happier. Please, Joe, please, please tell me. Please tell me <laughs> that the footage of Trump's hair, you know, blowing up, you know, from behind getting on Air Force One was real. Our sources have confirmed the footage is real. Because it's been out for about a week now. Yeah. And somebody would have, you know... Debunked it by now. No, it's real. It's real. Has anything made you happier in a while? Um, no. Actually, I take that back. When David Spade tweeted a picture of him getting his hair blown back... Uh -huh. <laughs> when he does yeah. That, yeah, in Tommy Boy, saying, I've been there. <laughs> wow. I did not see that. And then he super, I guess somebody superimposed Donald Trump's face on that as well. I, uh, yeah, no, I saw it on, on Twitter. Uh, it was like Ron Perman had posted it saying, I'm not going to make this my clipped post. I'm just going to tweet this out every week the rest of my <laughs> life. <laughs> but it's great because a lot of people have been saying, a lot of people say, that, yeah, now we know how his hair is formed, where it's sourced from. It's sourced from the sides of his head. Like, Ber he'd basically take Bernie Sanders, make it extra long, and then mold it into hair to cover the rest of his scalp. How long does that take to do in the morning? Well, let's see. He tweets from 8 to 11. <laughs> so, three hours? While he's sitting in the chair there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, so, I don't know how the stock market works. I don't. Do you know how the stock market works? I don't know. Do you have stocks that you know of? I don't know. <laughs> Either way. I love to not know things. <laughs> Back to the Chris Rock. Um, the funny thing is, the funny thing is the stock market has basically collapsed this week. It was the biggest loss. They've had like the single biggest loss in a day in like 60 years. The single biggest week of bad, you know. Of drops since I think 2008. And so 
Hey, how were things around 2007, yeah, what, 2008? Pretty yeah, good. You know, Housing market good back then? No. So ba- I think, ba- I think, banks were doing good. I don't know. But then somebody came in. The and, car industry was doing great, right? Uh, let me get back to you. Oh, no. We were in a shitstorm. But for the last few weeks leading up to the stock markets has been great. And it's it's just hysterical that, you know, the victory laps. Let's have a parade to celebrate the stock markets that Blotus has been doing. But then the stocks crashed this week, and it was just great. It was Obama's fault. <laughs> That's the crickets, huh? That you know come from the right, White House. right, right. Uh, you know, but crickets didn't come from the White House. Sorry. Speaking of fun things, um, you know, his uh, w- w- the, the guy Porter. What was his official? Rob Porter, um, Secretary of handing him papers. You know, I guess so. I guess every every single one of those. He does have a strong hand. Let me sign this thing and you know this bill and hold it up for the media. This guy is the one who hands him every piece of paper that winds up on his desk. Porter is the guy who goes through it. And hands it to him. His paper hand is strong, as is his pimp hand. <laughs> hey, pimping ain't easy. And so, uh, but it turns out that yet this is another guy who has a job in the White House who legally is not supposed to. He doesn't have security clearance. He cannot get security clearance. And, you know, and, and they've known this for, you know, the entire time he's had this job. And then now because, again... Thank you, media from other countries like the BBC comes out and has his expose. It's like, oh, he can't get security because, I mean, even the people I like, like Rachel Maddow, hasn't come out with these stories. He can't get security clearance because the FBI said no because of the. You keep hearing it's his two ex-wives who have both filed, you know, separate things over the years about abuse. But in between the two wives, there was a girlfriend who also had substantiated, like you know, claims of abuse. That the FBI had, I don't know if you say uncovered, but it was part of public records and stuff like that. Are you going to believe the FBI, really? Apparently, apparently not. And then, it's funny, not funny, I'm sorry, that's the wrong way to say it. But that was on Thursday that that news breaks. Um, And then, you know, um, Kelly, you know, know, General Kelly, who came in in July to clean up the leaks and make things run smoother. I guess on Thursday afternoon, he holds a meeting and he tells everybody... Uh, as far as you know, I just found out about this now. The FBI has never told me in my seven months in office. And the guy who's there to you know, stop the leaks didn't stop the leaks because half the people in the room ran to different sources and says, we just had a meeting where General Kelly told me to say this. Um, and now it's rumored that he has put in his resignation. And that was all on Thursday. But then Friday rolls around, and it turns out his speechwriter has also had to resign mm-hmm. under um, the, the same exact, you know, serious, um, you know, allegations. And look, Joe and I have talked about this, and it is, you know. Well, first of all, how did President Trump address Rob Porter being? Um, oh, he's a great guy, and? and he feels bad. He's going through. He is going through a rough time. Um, and he wishes him well. He wishes in him his well. Future endeavors, and he's sure that he he hopes he'll get he'll land on his feet and get a, a good job after. Because he's a good guy. Yeah. And scene. <laughs> and then twenty four hours later, you know, his head speechwriter has to resign because the same kind of allegation not not new allegations. These are things that have been verified from the past. That there is no vet. There is no vetting. We found out with Mike Flynn. There is a vetting process because, because you know, Yates, the acting you know attorney general, had said this guy's under investigation. This fire warrant, don't hire him. They don't care if the FBI, the Department of Justice, or any of these people say this. And then Blotus tweets out again today that it's such a shame. There's no due process that once you do you see this tweet yeah. that once you make a claim, and it's true. I mean, yeah, there are the Duke lacrosse teams. Every now and then, you're going to have a false accusation come out that's going to really hurt somebody's life. But for every one of those, there's a hundred really credible things. So, and by the way, other people have pointed this out immediately when he says there's no due process. You you can't take these people's claims that people are making false allegations, and you can't take them at face value. People will go, oh, like the Central Park Five that you claimed were you know murderers, and um, you know that all. Mexicans are rapists. Right, that Obama, but, Obama's uh, birth certificate isn't real. But credit where credit's due. After the Central Park Five was exonerated because of DNA evidence, remember how he came right out and said, 
you know, I was wrong and that these innocent kids' lives were destroyed. Oh, no. No, that didn't no. happen. No, that was a Sliders episode where you went to a parallel okay. universe All right. and he said that. Because still to this day, he claims that the overwhelming evidence and that woman's life will never be the same. He still blames it. And back when that happened, you know, because like you said, a lot of people called out on that. What what was eighty five thousand dollars in nineteen eighty nine by today's money like a hundred and twenty hundred and thirty thousand yeah. out of his own pocket he took out a full page ad in the New York Times calling for the death penalty to come back for these five teenagers. Hmm. I wonder if it would actually came out of his own pocket or if he had like a foundation that was right, set up, right. you know, earmarked for orphanages that he would be <laughs> built in the future. But here's a guy who comes out, takes out a full page ad in New York saying these five teenage boys should be put to death because of this. And, and, and at the same time, here it is now saying due process. It's just. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Now, speaking of false, wild accusations. Yes. How about. Um, and, uh, you know, getting into back into black history. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Quincy Jones um, had a startling interview with Vulture where he basically trashed the Beatles as not having really much talent. Like they, 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 Any they, they, musical they, talent. They were, they were like a non-playing band. Yeah, yeah, he equated them with the monkeys pretty much. Yeah, um, he said that Michael Jackson stole like pretty much every song off of like Off the Wall and maybe Thriller. Not only did he steal all that, he wouldn't give any money to the people who actually no wrote songwriting, the song. right, no like, songwriting. Yeah. yeah, like this, like the original songwriter should have gotten at least ten percent, and he didn't get or fifty percent or whatever, and he didn't get that. Um, but the uh, the thing that was almost glossed over because there were other shitstorm stories going on around this interview when this broke. But, but before th- before you tell that, yeah. I mean, he did throw shade at everybody, like you know, well, not uh, everybody. No, no, well, you, you go he, on. He, no, he, you tell the people who he threw shade at. Well, Hillary, yes, uh, that she, you know, it's like there's so many. There's always been scandals around them where there's smoke, there's fire. Want to throw shade around Bill Bill Cosby? Yeah, that's cool. You know. <laughs> Little, uh, you know, he 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 got a pass. Even Jimi Hendrix, he was like, uh, was was it like? Didn't he say like Paul Anka could play guitar as well as Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> I'm dead serious. I forget. Yeah. yeah, it was somebody like you wouldn't expect. But I think it was like he could. Yeah, Jimi was great, but you know, you know who could play as well as him was Paul Anka. And you're like, you, you're waiting for the parentheses where it says breaks out into laughter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, snicker sarcastically. Right. Um, but the, the the major thing that well, to, well, there were a couple of major things in this story, uh, article or interview. One that I thought was really unusual was that Marlon Brando. Apparently, I mean, he uh, Marlon Brando had originally had said in the seventies with other interviewers that he was bisexual or alluded to his bisexuality. Quincy Jones flat out said, "Yeah, he uh, would." fuck anything he would fuck a mailbox like he would also i mean he had sex with a so mailbox so, yeah he had sex with <laughs> that uh, would be the poop hole yeah <laughs> and then he had sex with richard pryor and again you know there's conflicting confirmations and denials about that allegation you know one of his ex-wives or i think his his, his most recent widow was a jenner i don't know if jennifer's his most recent widow but she came out apparently after the story broke, or the interview was released, saying, "Yeah, Richard Pryor, I did have an affair or fling with Marlon Brando, and you know he was, and Mar- Richard Pryor too was open-ish about his sec- bisexuality." Um, but then Rain Pryor, Richard Pryor's daughter, came out and said, "No, it's bullshit." Um, my favorite thing from this is, uh, do you tweet it out? What the Superman? The one? Superman. It's a picture, you know, from uh, Superman three. Because he only made three. There wasn't a Superman fourth. We've already talked about that. If you have a copy of Superman four, you're lying. Um, but where Superman, uh, Christopher Reeves, is flying, holding Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor saying, I knew your father. <laughs> and, and I look at that for about a half second. I'm like, wow, is that great? Is that absolutely brilliant? Yep. Love the internet. Love the future. I love that we live in the future. A little bit. Nice segue. Speaking of the future. The future, Conan? (laughs) In the year 2000. uh, You know what? I'm leaning more conservative, and I think the GOP's right. I think we should do away with immigration, both, you know, 
legal and otherwise, because name the last time somebody's immigrated to this country and has really done great things. Other than Elon Musk oh, right. this past week alone. Well, what did Elon Musk really do? Just, just in general, or just this <laughs> right, week. Just this week. Uh, so we're alluding, of course, to the SpaceX Falcon Heavy launch. It's maiden voyage to toward the sun. Toward the sun. Um, not to be confused with the voyage of the airplane two, which is when they went to the sun as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this is like a—it's a renewable rocket or reusable rocket that they—it's it, pretty fucking awesome how it works. You know, they have the two booster rockets that launch the the, the main rocket into space. Uh, the the payload. What, what, uh, what's the payload? <laughs> the payload that is basically going to be orbiting the sun near Mars, so it's going to be kind of in the same orbit as Mars, uh, is Elon Musk's personal midnight cherry. Tesla Roadster, which is equipped with, uh, a, I guess, a CD player or an MP3 player or something that is playing David Bowie's Space Oddity on an infinite loop and is being driven by uh, an astronaut, which is a dummy. Or, as somebody alluded to on Twitter, the perfect murder? Like, could he, <laughs> <laughs> like, could he just put... <laughs> Who's going to check? So... I mean, I mean, he's made, I don't want to say wild claims, but he said, I'm going to bring the future here a lot sooner. I'm going to be able to do X, Y, and C. And he hasn't quite hit every one of his target dates. NASA has said in the recent past. Oh, there's a NASA still? That's good. Good to know. That Not really. But in the recent past, that there you can't have re- reusable rockets. That we The technology is 50, 100 years off. Elon Musk about like, you know, you know, 10 years ago said, no, it's five years off. Oh, it, it was 10 years off. Okay. But when the rockets make their way and land back on Earth safely, they, on all the news channels that were covering it, check this out if you haven't seen it, had to put in the Chiron. This is real. This isn't CGI. Yeah, and it's not like reversed. Like, I don't know. How did the rockets land? Did they land like straight up or do they land like on? They, oh, they, land, they come down, you know. Yeah, they like, just coast down. Yeah. yeah. But but they, they it, it's so improbable that it's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and he does. He wants, you know, he wants, and it was really interesting listening, like, you know, Mars to be colonized. Um, and and basically for the Russians, <laughs> he, you know they they want a million people there like over like the next fifty years and explains it's like you know other than just effing up this planet if global warming was real yeah. or, or or nuclear holocaust was a legitimate Eminent. concern you know but yeah but to, to be able to go back and forth but it's absolutely amazing you know last year I think you and I talked about this while we talked about immigration last year or the year before. I don't remember exactly when it was. There are 28 public high schools in Massachusetts uh, or in the city of Boston proper, and 26 of the 28 valedictorians were either immigrants or first-generation Americans. And it's like – and so this week, you know, you talk about – you hear all these things about closing the borders and, you know, and and it's just crazy. Like, you know, okay – now that every immigrant generation has contributed in building the country, you know. Well, let's think about it. If we had closed the borders before those kids had the ability to go to our schools, then only U.S.-born citizens would have been eligible to have been valedictorians of those high schools. So those fucking immigrants come here and They took our home. So, yeah. Well, but, I mean, maybe we will need cheap labor to rebuild the roads in D.C. after they... <laughs> Oh my! Yeah, so, uh, we won't. We will not bring up where Joe and I were together last Sunday <clears throat> when the you know completely changed. If topics. anybody asks, we were at a glory hole. Okay, that's what- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? I don't care what side of the wall either. You know, make make draw your well, own conclusions. Yeah, you know, that's, there's two sides to every wall. That's what I say. <laughs> and. Uh, Build that wall with a hole. Build that wall with a hole. Build that wall. And anyways, fill that hole. <laughs> oh, I was doing Paul Lynn. And I was oh, doing Charles okay. Nelson Riley. Oh, you're on the other side of the wall. <laughs> thank, okay. you. Thank, or, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So he... <laughs> I make no apologies. Um, 
I will admit, I have become a big fan of the Dilly Dilly commercials about light ones. And they've been on all all this past – since September, they've been running. And there's been a series. Um, my, t- my 10-year-old likes it. My 7-year-old loves it. And, and two weeks ago, there was a big commercial that had a cliffhanger. And during this event last Sunday, <laughs> they had the payoff. And, you know, I was saying Dilly Dilly. And Joe – was there watching, you know, my seven-year-old really loving it and saying dilly dilly. And he's like, don't, don't feed into that. And he made the, one of the smarter, like, uh, like, you know, connections. Somebody Joe's like, that's the new Joe Camel. <laughs> like they're not marketing to children. They're not marketing to children at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is a little, we shouldn't have a family friendly beer. That's all I'm saying. Dude. I mean, it, honestly, what, When's the last time you've even seen me have a beer? You know, there's not beer in my house. I don't drink. And it's like, and yet here it is. My son is in love with a beer commercial. Ironically, I was drinking the uh, beer uh, that was being advertised at this event <laughs> that we at were attending. Time. Yeah, but I, I wasn't, and it's like, but yeah, when he said that, and I've loved him the whole time, and then I'm like, oh my god, it's like, I even fell for it. Like I'm, you know, um, you know, you were. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Don't. Praise the machine. <laughs> uh, how do they keep up with the news like that? <laughs> what a bunch of clowns. So so what you're going to say is our upcoming defunct sponsor of the week is not a beer company. Or not that beer company. No, it's not that beer company. Hopefully we'll have a defunct slogan, dilly dilly. I fucking hate dilly dilly. <laughs> I wish I did. I, I just I wish people it's like it's it's too, a little too close to dildo dildo. That's what I'm Go on. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Here's a defunct sponsor for you. The Mona Lisa has no eyebrows. Venus de Milo lacks arms. Chickens have no lips. Why ask why? Try Bud Dry. It's cold filtered for smooth draft taste and dry brew for no aftertaste. So when it comes to refreshment, nothing's missing. So, again, we weren't doing anything last uh, last Sunday, but had we been, there was a sporting event that I'm told um, the, uh, the half hour leading into last weekend's game was the most disgusting apology to angry white America that I've seen in a long time. And Joe missed it. But, and I told him, I don't know if you've gone back or seen or heard anything about that. I have not. But if you watched this event last Sunday, it was truly a half hour of, we're sorry that the Negroes kneel during your national anthem, Fox News watching America. Here's our apology letter. And, you know, one of the apology things they had, it's like 25 20, 25 um, veterans, you know, all Purple Heart recipients um, to be part of this coin toss for this event that we have no knowledge of. Um, and as they scrolled through them and like talking like they had veterans from World War II or from the Korean War, from Vietnam, all the way up into that last fiasco of a so-called war, which I was like, you had to have two sides to, to ever fight. Every one of them white, you know. Now some were white and some were really, really white. And then they had a choir sing God bless. I mean, it honestly was the NFL going well out of its way to say, "Please keep watching. Please don't, you know. Please, please, blow us. Don't tweet something awful about, you know, you know, any of this stuff." Um, so, and then the rest of the day went downhill from there. <laughs> well, the don't forget. That those opening Star-Spangled Banner over-the-top displays of military might, like the flyovers over Gillette Stadium every week, uh, all sponsored by the United States military. And the NFL got busted by that a couple years ago. The uh, the salute to service, the player of the game. I mean, and I've been on the other side of that. I've worked with the NFL at these events and stuff like that. Um, you so know, and it's it's you're, funny. You're taking dirty military money. I no. I've had other perfor- yeah. <laughs> no, Actually it's been laundered through the NFL, which is now a non-prize oh, My so. hands are clean. No, yeah. but it was interesting. It used to not be that. And what happened and I remember going back 
I did an event with the Chicago Bears like six, seven years ago. And after the flyover, the pilots, you know, land and then they come, you know, it's about a half hour away. So they're there by, you know, halftime and talking to these pilots. And at the time, the military did it. The military actually did it. And there was this public outcry from, you know, non-sport people or just people saying, hey, why the fuck would we have a parade? Are the same people who are like, why are we paying for this flyover? So what the military had done is pilots have to fly X amount of hours every week and do training things. So they would reroute, you know, instead of flying on a Friday, they would take that off and do their training flying on a Sunday and coordinate the timing. But... After that facade was like lifted, then yeah, then it became this paid, you know, this paid sponsorship thing. Yeah. So don't be surprised that the NFL, you know, out of the kindness of their hearts towards the, uh, the, the, the veteran loving public, which is great. You're supposed to like veterans and, and the military and stuff. Um, how hard you suck their balls is maybe up to you. But regardless of that, uh, don't be, um, uh, don't be, Blinded by the white, you know, <laughs> that the, the military had nothing to do with this. Well, the other thing, and somebody points this is out, I used to go to a lot of Kings games, and this is like four or five years ago, they really start this salute to services, they would have a soldier of the game. And they would bring a guy in, bring his family, you know, show him on the Jumbotron, talk about. And he was, it was always sponsored by, um, is it Norman Grumman or, you know, one, it's not Raytheon, but it's like. Oh, like one of those uh, military. Industrial uh, complex yeah. machines. It's like, oh, he was wounded probably by something you built. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That you sold to the other guys. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's, yeah. Hey, but, but irony can be pretty ironic sometimes. So back to, back to the back to the, uh, the the sports of sports. I, I I pointed something out to Joe that I should be ashamed of, uh, but I'm not, and I should. It, it, it's I don't know if it's a cautionary tale. During the event that we were watching, I had so much stress and anxiety. Like I I went outside a couple times because I I thought I was going to throw up. That in itself is pathetic. But then I point out to Joseph, when my oldest son was born, uh, it was a little, you know, it was, it, was, it was amazing. It was all this great stuff. But, you know, when he came out kicking and screaming, I saw that one of his foot was jacked up. And instantly I knew what it was. It was a gift from grandpa. Uh, my dad had a club foot. My brother has a club foot. My son does, you know. So three generations of jacked up feet. The club foot club. And, you know, my dad went on to be a professional bodybuilder and a, uh, a nationally competing <clears throat> roller skate dancer. Hey. <laughs> hey, this was the late 70s, right. early 80s. So Cisco was it. If I squint real hard at Xanadu, will I see him? You could. And, he, you know, but don't forget, I mean, it was disco. It was the 70s. He didn't have any kids <laughs> <laughs> that he cared about. Uh, but he was an athlete. My So... And one leg was jacked up because he didn't have the surgery until he was like six, seven years old. But he it didn't stop him from whatever. So 30 years later, when my brother was born, like how science and stuff and technology had come, my brother, you know, is the athlete of the family. I mean, he was, you know, all through like junior high and high school, like he had the body of a Greek god. I had the body of a Greek guy, you know, but like played varsity football in the, in the ninth grade. It didn't hinder him at all. So I knew, okay, so here it is. That's 72. This is 2007. I'm quite sure that we've come. And I was upset. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, this is fixable. This is going to be okay. And I realized to Joe, I'm like, I'm more upset over a game than I'm watching. <laughs> and, and, and I'm more stressed about the long-term implications in my life <laughs> than I was of my son's, you know, you know, birth boo-boo. Hey, there's no technology that's going to fix what happened during that whatever event we watched. No, no. Right. It, there it, is no technology. At least you had hope with your son's I did life. have hope that this... There was no Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> There's no hope. There's not a new hope. I'm done. Um, but, hey, at least we get to turn the page, and you know, uh, and we will. We're going to have to have, like, Biff call in with the WHA this week in WHA history. Yeah. 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 It's about time we put some other people to work on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but at least, honestly, um, 
the Bruins were doing great, so I was I'm able to turn the page. I'm not able to listen to sports radio at all. I love how this is the the week or two. It's not quite spring training. The Super Bowl ended, so now it's almost like the news. And the sports reporting starts to dust off, like, whatever other teams are available. Like, oh, yeah, there's a Bruins. There's a Celtics. Let's look at them for a week. I mean, and the funny thing is, it's like, because I was a sports radio junkie up until last Sunday night. Like, a good 14 hours a day digesting this stuff. And I'm on complete lockdown, which, catching up on some Netflix stuff, catching up on some podcast stuff. I told I told Joe the other day, oh, I'm listening to this podcast. And who was I listening to? Oh, the, the Gilbert, Go- Gilbert Godfrey? TV's Frank. Yeah, the it's Frank like, Conniff one, yeah. You're like, well, that's really old. <laughs> I'm like, I've been binge listening. Yeah. Um, but, you know, while I wasn't paying full attention, you know, on in the background and you were the Bruins went on a streak of most consecutive games with at least a point, hmm. but without losing in regulation since 1924. Wow! And then, like after an 18 game streak, they lost a game in regulation and then went on to win the next three. So, so they, you know, the same thing. And the, and the Celtics ha- are have the best record, and you know, in their conference right now. I guess I'll give a shit a little bit because I got a phone, but I can't. I still can't watch any TV. And like, even when I was like listening to NPR, they're like, oh, today, like, click. As soon as there's any hint of mentioning of like, you know, Uh the the awfulness. Uh huh. I know. But speaking of that, speaking of things that don't make me want to pull the car in the garage and let the engine purr me to sleep, brings us (laughs) to a random video game review of the week. Oh, the best intro ever. It really, it really is. Yes. Are, Are you ready? I'm Are a- you ready for some reviews? <laughs> Video games, <laughs> NES system. <laughs> yeah, don't. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So Jacques's gonna mosey on over to my Nintendo wall and pull off a game that I'm sure you give a shit about. Uh, it makes Jacques happy, so just play along. It really, really. Hey, it's Star Trek. T R E K. Where did this come from? Uh, I picked it up at a Goodwill, and that was that's been there for about a month or two. Yeah, that's a the original series first uh, season DVD. DVD, not the Blu-ray. Actually, I don't know. Maybe it is the Blu-ray. I forget. No, it's a DVD. So uh, I'm going to guess by the uh, the void in my soul. I mean, the <laughs> void in the wall that it's somewhere in the bees. He lazily grabbed a game that's lay, that lays flat. Not so, not uh, vertically because that requires a little bit more effort to pull out of the wall. Uh, um, so and I, yeah, it's uh, it's somewhere in the B. So it's not balloon fight. It's not base wars. I need like binoculars or something because it's hard for me to see over there. I don't, and, uh, I don't see so good. Um, I'm gonna say B A. I'm sorry, folks. I, I'm stumped. I don't know my own games anymore. This is the beginning of onset dementia. Early onset dementia. It's and and me saying onset dementia instead of early onset dementia is a sign of early onset dementia. <laughs> it's not early. You're I know. <laughs> I know. I'm 40. Uh, I give up. What is it? Oh, a simple <laughs> word that we were kind of talking about: baseball. Wait, were we talking about baseball? Talking baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you know why I'm thinking baseball? Uh, it's going to lead into my Netflix pick of the week or my Hulu pick of the week. Um, I'll, I'll wait. I'll savor that. Savor that for uh, a couple of minutes. But let's talk about Nintendo baseball. Eh, it's okay. It's one of the. Fr- it's the early black box releases for the Nintendo. It's a uh, pretty rudimentary. I think everybody's played this game or at least seen it. Um, who cares about Nintendo has seen it. Uh, it's okay. Not groundbreaking. Um, I think it's a very competent first entry into the world of 8-bit baseball. It has pitchers and catchers, and it has an outfield and an infield. And you keep score um, over the course of nine-plus innings. The end. So now let's see what how many the, stars would you give it? I would give it uh, two and a half stars. This, yeah, I'd say two and a half stars. I'm going to say that according to the Ultimate Nintendo Guide, written by Pat Contry, 
that we reference now every week because it's actually this is actually we're referencing material that was prepared, researched. Uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears were, went into this particular work of like art. our show. Oh, okay, okay, let's go with that. <laughs> and the upside down, uh, one and a half stars rated, and that's a, that's probably and this is written by Pat Contry. You know what? Uh, I know I, I did give it uh, an extra star where it probably did not deserve it. The earliest NES baseball game is also the most basic one. Select one of six teams whose only difference is the uniform color, and then swing away. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of shit, but um, it's the year 2018. So who cares? <laughs> there you go. You have MLB the Show now. So I mean, and, Jesus. And and what are you thinking? If you had to go and buy this. <laughs> On the eBay, what we're looking at. Two for a dollar. <laughs> what is it? Seven ninety nine? New. New. Uh, pre owned five ninety nine. See? Meh. There you go. Whatever. It's a gold mine right there behind us. I know. All right, so you said that it's kinda segues into your Netflix pick. Yeah, I'm a about about a year behind, but it's I guess just new to Hulu. It's an IFC show that stars and is created by uh, Hank Azaria. Who you know is the voice of Mo on the voice Simpsons. of Two of the Simpsons. Yeah, um, it's a show called Brockmire, and it's about this washed-up um, kind of a Vince Scully wannabe uh, ball uh, play. He, 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 he uh, baseball announcer who uh, in 2007 had an on-air nervous breakdown after catching his wife fucking six guys. Uh, and he goes into gory detail on the air during a baseball game. Um, so he's run out of town on a rail, uh, lives in Manila for about 10 years, comes back to the States, and is now uh, hired by a a local, like a, a, like a very, very minor league baseball team in rural-ish uh, Pennsylvania um, called the Morristown, I think it's called Morris, the Morristown Frackers. Because they literally frack <laughs> inside the town, um, and Amanda Pete is the general manager, owner, whatever. Um, they have an affair. Uh, it's a it's a it's a half hour comedy. I think it's nine episodes or eight episodes, and I'm only about six episodes in. Really funny. It's got Simpsons style pacing. Um, a lot of great one liners, and the yeah, his voice is like this, and he talks like this all the time, but he says words like pig fucker, and it's really funny. Um, you know, he approaches his uh, ex-wife, who's now a dominatrix, and it's just like, oh, he, he has this um, conversation with her at the hotel room that she's staying in, in town, by the way. She comes back later in the uh, season, and she, he says to her, so I'm not supposed to be uh, shocked, and surprised to find that you're the biggest dom since Deloise. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and there's a bunch of great one-liners. Um, he wears like the plaid jacket from like the 70s, but he's he's also like a insane like drug addict, uh, boozer. Um, the whole point of his comeback is to like make him hot again because he didn't realize that when he went away for 10 years that he became a social media phenom. Like, you know, his meltdown went viral in 2007 and never stopped. Uh, and then when he came back, everybody's, like, surprised and kind of psyched to see him back again. So when he calls games, he doesn't call games for a network or anything like that. He calls games over the PA for the attendees of said game. Um, and it's great. It's just a funny fucking game. Uh, fun, funny, funny, funny game. A funny show. Um, and I think it's coming back for a season two. But Hulu, Brock Meyer, Hank Azaria, Amanda Pete. Um and yeah, good clean family fun. You and so because I'm not sad and angry enough this week, I stumble upon on Netflix a show called Dirty Money, and season one is six episodes. It it is a really good um, investigative you know drama on. Absolutely, the well, we we all know how evil corporations are, but the first episode, for instance, is about Volkswagen and how Volkswagen went out of its way to cheat to get around the United States. Um, remember when there was that thing? What was that called? Was the EPA? Yeah, when it used to exist, mm -hmm. and there was all these regulations about like emissions in cars, and it became this. They they had a new car, you know. They, they they want to compete here, you know. The problem with diesel is diesel, you know, burns a lot dirtier. It, it burns, you know, more efficient but dirtier than regular gas. Do you like diesel? 
I don't know. Diesel nuts. <laughs> he walked right into the <laughs> propeller. Walked right into the propeller. Anyways, over the course of like, you know, a good five, six years, like they're selling these cars and it turns out that they were gaming the system and, you know, it became one of these things where um, – like a college, you know, a college, you know, was was doing kind of a testing on their own, found out that, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense on on a on a um I, I don't know what they call it, but when you have a car in a garage and you can run it and the wheels spin like a tr- oh, on idle? A, a, well, no, like a treadmill for a car. Oh, right, and you're just running so it. So the wheels yeah. are you know, it it runs at one rate, but in the real world, you know, it has you know, for a lack of better words, he kept calling it like a cheater in there. That you know, when it was run on something like that, that how cars are tested on, or like you know, just a round oval track, but in actual real driving environments, it it wasn't, you know, it wasn't past the limit. It was like four or five times past the limit, and. Gosh, every benefit of the doubt that could be given, and and they go back to the history of Volkswagen. And, and and look, I mean, you know, all our all our tanks were made by Ford and on the assembly line. So of course, you know, any j- big German company and any big Japanese company made their war machines. You know, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that oh, Volkswagen's back because he made the tanks for Germany, or I, I don't know if it was to- Toyota. Or Honda that actually made the zeros, you know, for 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 Japan. Oh, for Japan. Yeah. Um, but Volkswagen had a dubious history, you know. They they, you know, uh, working with Henry Ford, you know, it, it developed their assembly line. Like literally, they went back and forth, and the Volkswagen. Uh, plant is still today the biggest single plant of any kind. You know, it doesn't matter what you're making in the world, and this whole town is built around it. But they got, you know, busted big time. And every chance they got to right the wrong and come clean, like my friend John the lawyer always says, apologize, admit guilt, keep the money. You know, throw yourself on the sword and you can go case by case by case. And whether it was a new CEO or a new spokesperson, a new American rep, over the course of these five or six years, they kept saying, no, it must be a fault in your equipment. Oh, no, this is a mistake where, where you know, we, we can fix or recall that. And long story longer, they ended up having like 14 people indicted. The case is still going on. Um, like there's a lot of people that, you know, could still be doing serious jail time. And it was something like $14.5 billion, which sadly – in the world of that isn't an annul be all. It doesn't cripple the company. Yeah. But still for and again, this is when we had an EPA that said car emissions are bad. Let's try to limit them. And then when somebody not just doesn't adhere to this, but goes out of its way to circumvent right. the rules and, and, and cheat and stuff like that, that there are penalties to be paid. You know, um This is just episode one of Dirty Money. That's just episode one. And I, I haven't got through the rest of it. But this was now. This wasn't. Is there, is there a suicide hotline number that just runs at the bottom of the screen as you're watching this? Funny you ask. <laughs> um, I have three different friends who I don't know if it was completely sarcastic or sarcastic and concerned. I had three different people text me suicide hotline number Sunday night. <laughs> uh, why? What happened? Not to- Nothing. Oh. Remember we had that glory hole? <laughs> oh, right. Oh, you were great. <laughs> exactly. You filled me up. Oh, wait. <laughs> but, uh, TMI. But the, la- the last episode that I haven't got to yet, and I don't know if I can. I cannot take – I'm looking at the Trump whistle as is, and the last episode is – Pre-blowed as Trump's grifting. And, and it's mm. like how his different companies has, you know, made profits out of going bankrupt. Like how they have actually profited from destroying. It, they were like the producers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Success from failure. And they, uh, and, and, and the lay. The- That's our Hitler! <laughs> Springtime for Hitler in Germany. Um, don't be stupid. Be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party. <laughs> oh. Who sang that line? Is Mel- that zero? Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. He sang that one line. Don't be stupid. Be a smarty. But they... Uh, yeah, all right. So Dirty Money. Dirty Money on yeah. Netflix. If, 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 if you're not depressed enough by reading the news about how you're being fucked <laughs> really bad, how... Oh, you know, in, in, in 
you're over and under of uh, of Mueller being fired in the next week. Uh, well, like days. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think the well the over under will be five. I'll take the over. I don't think he'll be fired. Oh. Okay, uh, I, I'm sorry. So, so uh, wait, go, hold on. Let me back. clear the sand around my neck because I had my head buried in it. For some <laughs> number three, <clears throat> number one of the Department of Justice is Jeff had to recuse himself. Sessions, you know, so he can't have anything to do with it. Rosenstein, not Rosenstein, like Fox News called him. Rosenstein, the number two, he was the whole point of that big memo that because. There was a FISA warrant that had been gotten over uh, over you know one of Blotus's during the campaign uh, guys that had to be re up three times because it's only good for ninety days. Mm-hmm. And the last time, by the time the third uh, memo, uh, but the third FISA warrant had to you know be issued. Rosenstein was one of like ten people who had to sign off on it. But like Fox News is trying to make it, it was all him. You know, anyways. Uh-huh. Um, but the third in charge of the D- DOJ has just resigned. Just resigned as of yesterday. No warning, no leading up, no nothing. Here's my resignation. I'm taking a job. Literally, she's taking a job at Walmart, which now Rosenstein is completely on an island by himself. And, you know, so he's getting all the public pressure from the Republicans, from Blotus, from within, that if he was, re- he's the only one who can. Technically, fire Mueller right now. Yep. If he resigns, then not only Sessions can't do it, Rosenstein can't do it. The third person, so Blotus handpicks his person. You want the job at the? You know, you want to be number two. You want to be deputy secretary. I will give you the job right now. You have to fire Mueller. And people are thinking it's going to be this week that he could get fired. Uh, Brock Meyer on Brock Hulu. Meyer on who? <laughs> where is that whistle? Uh, anyway, I don't know what made me think of. All right, I know where it is. I'm not telling. <laughs> uh, on on a happier note, do you have a parenting tip of the week? Um, what did I do with my kids this week? Uh, I think I just avoided them. So no, no, no. I don't have a parenting. Are you more tip. likely to go outside and play baseball with your sons, or put in the eight bit baseball <laughs> that got the shitty review and call them B? Okay. And which would they rather you do? B. Okay, that's what I thought. Right. Um, my. Parenting tip of the week is lie to your children to make them better people. Um, So Sunday isn't working out like I hoped. Sadly, my seven-year-old is there and with every fiber of my being to lie and say, it's it's, it's, it's just a game. it's it's it, buddy. It's okay. Don't don't be upset. It, it, hey, it doesn't change anything, buddy. Our lives are you know we still have our house. You go to school. Everything's fine. I'm bummed too, but it's no big deal. Inside, I'm dead. Daddy, this Kool Aid tastes funny. <laughs> Shut up and drink, drink it. <laughs> We're gonna go see Uncle Jimmy from Jamestown. Uh, but it's okay to lie to your children in order to make them a better person than you are. Okay. And see. Right. Um, That's our podcast. You know, eventually Joe and I are going to do a podcast where we talk about a sideshow where we talk about um, inflective things that we do or say that we have no control over. I want to go out on on a song because we used to do that. I would like to do go out on Plastic Jesus. Okay. And I, and I say that because... You know, my sister was talking to me on the phone the other day, and she said, you know, it was raining, and it, it might turn into freezing rain, and, I'm, and she's like, oh, is it raining? I'm like, it's raining now, and she goes, but it might start freezing, and I can't help it. I don't want to. It's not like a choice thing. I start singing, I don't care if it rains or freezes, long as I got my plastic Jesus, and I go off for a couple minutes, and both, you know, my, my management and my sister are like, the fuck is that? I was aghast, aghast that they don't know that country classic. And I ended up sending um, her and, and you know, again, our, our buddy John an email with a clip from where I first saw it on Cool Hand Luke. And every time I, I somebody, that something triggers that, like, you know, oh, it's freezing. I, in my head or out loud, maybe I think it's in my head, but I'm probably <laughs> singing out loud. I sing that song, and I think about Cool Hand Luke, but I'm singing the Flaming Lips version of it. So, Are we going out on the Flaming Lips version? Well, we'll go out on the Flaming Lips version, but I highly suggest, like, you know, watching Cool Hand Luke. Uh, Joe, you got any closing thoughts? Oh, 
before you get close to that, I got a phone call this week from a great friend of of mine who's become a friend of Joe's, you know, complimenting uh, the show. Even if we get compliments or, hey, the show sucked, please keep either tweeting at Joe, tweeting at me, Facebooking, you know, the show at Carnival Podcast, because honestly, the feedback is great, but it did. It made my day that, hey, you guys didn't fuck up that lampoon thing completely. Yeah. Uh, and talk about pulling something out of our ass. That was, uh, uh, Paul Lynn would have been proud. He would have been very, especially if you, uh, last thoughts. Be sure to, uh, like, comment, subscribe. Is this a YouTube video? Yeah. Give it a thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah, right. My ass. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My ass. Oh, yes. Oh, and don't forget... I don't care if rains or freezes Long as I got my plastic Jesus Sitting on the dashboard of my car It comes in colors, pink and pleasant Glows in the dark, it's iridescent Take it with you when you travel far Get yourself a sweet Madonna Just in rhinestone setting on a pedestal Madonna Go 